Well, hey, it's Robert from Modern Life and Spirit Podcast, and we are hard at work creating some amazing new content for Season 2. And while we're doing that, we thought you'd enjoy this rebroadcast from one of our listener favorites from Season 1. It's episode number 33, The Dark Night of the Soul, Awakening the Inner Phoenix. Listeners really enjoyed learning the difference between a true dark night of the soul and just having a bad week, discovering what the shadow self is, and some steps you can take to help you navigate your way through this process. We'll be back with fresh new episodes next Wednesday, January 5th. Until then, enjoy. The dark night of the soul is a very raw and difficult time in our lives that no one can avoid. A time when your old foundation shakes and eventually collapses. It often comes out of nowhere when you feel the least prepared for the biggest challenge of your life. Today we're talking about awakening your inner phoenix and rising from the ashes. Welcome to the Modern Life and Spirit Podcast, where we explore spiritual topics relevant to today's world. Your hosts, certified psychic medium, Christina Wooten, and Reiki master teacher, Robert Wooten, break down how to work with spirit to create more positive growth in your life. Consider this podcast your go-to spiritual resource for navigating the modern world. Hey there, kindred spirits. This is Christina Wooten here with Robert Wooten from SedonaMedium.com. And welcome to the podcast today to our little corner of sacred space here in the audio world. Today, we're going to be talking about the dark night of the soul, which is really this process of the inner phoenix within ourselves and traveling and navigating through the ego death. And unfortunately, it's one of those things that as much as we may really want to avoid this process and this experience, you can't. (laughs) And it's a really beautiful one on the other side when we can look back from a new perspective with fresh eyes from that Phoenix strength and see the incredible transformation that we've undergone. It really is something that's absolutely worth it and the transformation is certainly more than the pain or the challenge that we go through in the process of transforming itself, that falling into ash period. So today we're going to talk about and dismantle a little bit what the dark night of the soul truly is. And how do you navigate it in those times where it just pops out of nowhere, and suddenly you're on this incredibly powerful journey of meeting yourself all over again. Like most transformative experiences, when you're in the middle of it, it just feels like the end of everything. You just don't know how you're going to make it through. But once you have made your way through one of these dark nights of the soul, you do understand and you can look at it from a perspective of you know that it's something that you can survive and that even you should survive because it is transforming you and making you into something new. Yeah. So let's talk about how do you identify if you are going through a dark night of the soul? What does this actually mean? What are we talking about? Because the dark night of the soul is not just a rough week. It's not a rough couple of months. A lot of times it lasts you know, a year or more. So it's not something that we just get in and get out and do that necessary work in a short period of time. 
it's a longer process. And so it's important that we learn how to recognize the difference between these periods that are true dark nights of the soul and those times where we're just saying, hey, man, I don't like this job anymore. You know, these normal periods where, you know, something within us is speaking that perhaps we're not listening to. And that's a very different experience than the dark night. The dark night is an entirely new realignment within ourselves. Since it's not just one night, it would be more appropriate to call it a dark period of the soul. Yeah, a dark a dark few years of the soul. But I think that if you tell somebody in the moment of the dark night of the soul, even though there's if you're going through it, you know you're going through it. You just you know it's a it's a really challenging process. You can feel it that this deep transformation is occurring. So that's not new. But if you tell somebody in the middle of a dark night that, yeah, this can go on for, you know, a year, sometimes up to three years, they're going to go, oh, gosh, no. <laughs> you know, it's a really, it's a tough moment. So the dark night of the soul is this period where I call it the ego death. So it's a time where our spiritual self, our spiritual being rises up within us to dismantle the old, dismantle old beliefs, to help us to release these expectations, these ideas of who we think we are, these ideas of roles and obligations uh, and experiences that we might have gotten really caught up with that maybe eventually become safety blankets or they become experiences that no longer are needed in our journey forward. But the big difference with what's the dark night of the soul versus just a difficult time is that it kind of hits us in all different areas of life. So you might be having trouble with family of origin or your you know, current family and relationship. You may be having trouble also at the exact same time with your job or changing careers and having difficulty with that. You may also be in a period of seeking again from a spiritual perspective. The old things that you were doing just simply aren't working anymore and you're not feeling fulfilled. There's a painful um, void or sense of emptiness that nothing is really filling. So you might be going through a process and that yoga that you would normally do, the meditation that you would normally do just isn't pulling you out in the same way that it might have in the past. And you find yourself in your day-to-day life really in a space of questioning what's going on? Like, who am I? And it brings us to these wonderful questions of who am I? What am I doing here? It's this opportunity to re-meet ourselves, to explore as we're letting go of egoic beliefs and ideas. But anytime we're letting go of ego and we're having to confront the ego side or even the shadow side. So the shadow side is not the bad parts of ourselves, which I hear a lot of <laughs> in normal spirit conversation, people referring to the shadow as like this very negative aspect. But truly, the shadow part is just the aspects of your beingness, your spiritual self that you have repressed, suppressed, 
or held in the back burner. And typically it's because maybe you weren't supported in that as a child or there's some sort of judgment there or, you know, self-judgment in that. It's the parts that we haven't integrated into who we are that we've kind of kept in that back closet like the skeleton that we keep in there. So that's really the shadow side. So in The Dark Night of the Soul, it's our going deeply into that space and working on the healing and bringing in those parts of ourselves for the purposes of healing, of integration, and coming more into wholeness. And a lot of times that shadow side stuff is the gateway, the things that we've repressed is somehow the gateway to our movement forward and into our gifts. So a lot of the things that we maybe judge about ourselves, if we move it into a different perspective or can see it in another way, it's a beautiful part of who we are you know maybe there's a judgment about being flaky you know change your mind or you shift things but you know in a positive way perhaps you're this incredibly creative you know free non-attached version of yourself that is a strength that is a beautiful thing so that dark night helps us to re-engage those parts of ourselves to come into more wholeness to come into more of a powerful place As we were working on this podcast or just talking about it, this example Spirit gave me, I loved it. And I had to go back and watch the scene. It was just amazing. So if you have seen Lord of the Rings, there is this particular scene where Gandalf battles the Belrog, who was in the the mines of Moria, I think is where they were, and they had awoken this fire demon. And so the whole battle scene, everything is so symbolic of the dark night of the soul because you have this fire demon and he's Gandalf is standing with his staff and you shall not pass (laughs) and, you know, slamming this down and sort of banishing this demon away, which is typically how we are experiencing those shadow versions of ourselves. You know, you shut up as you get in that closet right over there where I'm comfortable with you to be. And then, of course, the bell rock falls. Actually, Gandalf's like, yeah, okay, turns around. And, of course, he ends up falling as well and having to battle for a very long time this bell rock. And in the process, at the very end, after he defeats the bell rock, is he dies and then comes back as Gandalf the White. So we transform from Gandalf the Gray to Gandalf the White. And so that symbolism is exactly what's happening in the Dark Knight of the Soul. And I love it because you do see this transformation in Gandalf from this maybe tired version, (laughs) a little heavier in many ways, into this very pure essence of Gandalf the White, this very accepting, very loving, it's a, a really pure form. So it's a great way of understanding if you are going through this dark night of the soul is that it's a journey to meet that part of yourself, the pure version that's waiting for you by doing the work. And the wonderful thing is there is an end. It doesn't just go on and on and on and on forever. There is a process of completion where that window closes and that work is done and we're able to move forward on the new path and the new journey. And that quality of experience, what that part looks like, is determined by the great work that we do in the dark night. So some of the hallmarks of that dark soul period is that 
that there, there's no way to get around it, that no matter what you do, you can't seem to get out of it, that there's these, you know, feelings of confusion or feelings of self-doubt, of knowing that you're in a crossroads, sometimes feeling like perhaps you're off path, as a lot of people describe it. But it's a requirement of having to sit with these feelings that no matter what you do, you really keep coming back to having to do the work and not being able to will yourself out of it is one of those things that can be really frustrating, especially if you're someone who isn't comfortable really sitting with their feelings or isn't really comfortable with that kind of introspection or emotional discomfort. And this really uncomfortable period, the benefit is that it pushes us way, way, way out of our comfort zone. So, so far past anything we've had to do before. It's if we think of that tree, the tree who has to, when there's a period of, of drought, it has to expend its energy into going down into the roots, uh, allowing the roots to grow even deeper and reach further for the water that's down below. And that's very much what's happening. And through this discomfort, we have to go a little bit deeper than we've gone before. Because it's such a confusing time, it's also a time of coming back into the feeling of needing to reconnect spiritually, to craving that connection with a higher power, to craving that connection to your spiritual side of yourself and looking for hope, looking for a new way of experiencing the world. Because in that period of the dark night, a lot of those circumstances can be very frustrating. And, you know, there's no sense of real control over what's happening. And as a result, we have to learn to surrender. We have to learn to go deeper into the spiritual self to move through that period. So finding that time with source and prioritizing that time for our spiritual development and growth really helps deliver us through that process of releasing all the control, which of course comes with the beauty of the ego death. I did want to say one more thing about identifying if you're just in a difficult period or if you're in a dark night is that as the ego dies, it starts to grasp. It's like grasping onto anything that it can just hold onto um, and attach to. And, you know, that can be anything, everything. It can be a person. It can be a thing or a circumstance or a role that someone has. And in this period, usually what happens is anything that the ego tries to grasp onto or, you know, create this safety net gets knocked out of your orbit as well so that it there isn't a reprieve from that that comfort or this conception. There is a book called The Dark Night of the Soul by Michael Murdad. And in this book, he describes five stages, which I, you know, it's nice to have a stage. It's nice to talk about a stage. The ego likes to talk about stages, right? <laughs> likes to have these concepts or ideas sometimes of what the process is going to look like. But I think it's important to note that as we talk about the idea of stages, that 
you know, it rotates, it revolves. It's not a nice smooth path between one, two, three, four. But sometimes it's you're blending multiple stages together. You might move on to stage two and then return back to stage one. So it's a really revolving process. But I think it describes what you go through in this period well. So stage one is dismantling. So it's where you're reviewing and releasing or things, circumstances are changing in your life that result in a sense of dismantling of what it has looked like in the past. So that can look like a major health challenge or scare that completely realigns your whole life and the decisions that you make from then on. It can be a period where, you know, a divorce completely changes your process and, you know, you rebuild into an entirely new life and experience. It can be being laid off unexpectedly and completely having to change careers and impact your finances in a big way. It can look in many different ways, but dismantling is this process of really changing the fundamental foundations of your life. Stage two is emptiness, and that's the period of feeling the transition, feeling the what's in between the old life and the the new life hasn't been developed yet. There's just sort of this hole, this sense of void, this sense of potential, but the potential not being fulfilled yet. So this is the more emotional stage of the dark night of the soul. It can include a lot of grief, a sense of depression at times, a real despondency or, you know, confusion about knowing what to trust because so much of the certain things have suddenly fallen away and there's nothing to cling to or nothing to grasp onto. So this is the very emotional aspect, which of course as humans is, is really hard. So in the third stage is disorientation. And so this is that confusion of which way am I supposed to go? <laughs> and I think that that's the thought sometimes with, in, especially in the earlier stages with the dark night of the soul is, what am I supposed to do? What are you telling me, guides? What are you telling me, source? What, what do you want? I'll do it. Just what do you want from me? <laughs> I don't think I'm alone in that experience, certainly, is that questioning of I'll do it, whatever it is, just tell me and I'll just do it so long that things can be over. But that disorientation process is really, in a way, I think a process of discernment, of learning to discern what it is that we need, what the new step forwards are, where am I supposed to go? And then ultimately, to get through that stage, we have to release the idea of what we're supposed to do to feel into what's right, what's the next right step right now. And eventually, you find your way to the other side. So this particular one, I think, is a big realignment as we move through this stage into what's the here and now really bringing your power and emphasis into the present moment that strong sense of mindfulness and taking that next right step now in his book the dark night of the soul he talks about these level four or stage four and stage five are ones that some people don't make it to if you ride the wave of the dark night of the soul, this is where the rewards come in is 
bringing it consciously through stage four, consciously through stage five to be able to rise again from the ashes. So if we're thinking of the Phoenix cycle, the Phoenix death cycle is stage one, two, and three. And then the rising from the ashes is stage four and stage five. So stage four is rebuilding and stage five is new life. So that process of rebuilding is creating a new mental, emotional, spiritual foundation that becomes the new guiding force, the new guiding light that integrates the parts of ourselves that we've recently liberated through stages one, two, and three, bringing that forward so that it becomes part of our new journey. And then five is living the new life, making those necessary changes to create the new circumstances to honor and acknowledge the new values that we have having gone through this dark night of the soul period. One thing that I always think is really interesting about a dark night of the soul is that people will sometimes have a lot of symbolism around death that comes up in this period where there's fears of, you know, dying. Oh my gosh, I think I'm dying. Or they might have dreams about dying or they might have messages or, or, you know, a sense of cognition of, oh, I'm I'm worried that I'm going to die and feel this need to, okay, I've got to write the will. I have to prepare in these ways. And a lot of times it's, you know, the symbolic death that's happening, that version of you truly is dying. And so we're playing this out in a very subconscious way as well, where we start to feel anxiety or nervousness that expresses itself, which is normal around that. But I like to mention it because that symbolism or fear seems to pop up. Whatever fears you have around death or nervousness or things where you feel like are not complete, there's a little bit of a push towards trying to handle them during this particular period. And then of course, we go through that uh, stage four and stage five coming into the new life period. And Phew, okay, I'm glad I took care of that, you know, and I am a different person. But the beauty is it didn't involve me having to leave the physical body in order for that to occur. The ego, as we know, can be a little bit melodramatic once in a while. Inner Moira. That's what I always think of when I think of the ego. It's like the inner Moira who just comes out and really takes on the stage for sure. If it's not getting what it wants or thinks the direction it thinks you should be going, then it's like, oh, this must be the end. This is awful. This is terrible. We're all going to die. Yeah. And and it is the end. But what's missing from the ego's perspective is that it's a good end. It's a good end. It's a, a release that's happening that propels us forward where all the, you know, impure the things that truly have caused confusion in our life that we didn't realize just burn up i mean it's pretty incredible process that we get to go through well transformation at that level certainly does threaten the ego's belief that everything is fine the way that it is the ego always wants you to believe that this is how it should be these are Mm -hmm. decisions you should make this is the life you should be living and it feels comfortable in that process so when you start transforming dramatically away from that, that that would necessarily, you know, threaten Mm -hmm. the ego's concept of stability. 
Yeah. It's like trying to live your life with the background is the smoke detectors are just going off like 24-7. And you're just trying to like live your life. But in the background, your your brain, your ego part is going, ah, <laughs> you know, get out, run. And then no matter what you try, you you can't. We have to sit sit with that discomfort. Okay. So we've talked a bit about the description of what it is. I think we've gone pretty good into covering how it feels and what it's like to go through it. But I guess now we need to talk about how do you do that? How does a person get into the depth of this and find their way through it? So there are things that pop up that we can do in order to realign, to get the most out of the dark night of the soul. Really, it's a window or an opportunity to throw things into the fire (laughs) that we need to throw in, that we need to release. So like, let's get the most juice out of it that we possibly can. Let's like squeeze (laughs) the dark night of the soul to the point that it just allows us to go to a real depth so that that rebirth from gray Gandalf to Gandalf the White is we really make that transition. So there's six things that you can do. Some of it's mindset oriented. Some of it is things that you can actually um, use to harness the power of this particular period. So the first one is the concept of seek and ye shall find. The dark night of the soul is always pushing us to come back to spirit, to make space and time for your spiritual connection, to let that be an anchor for you. Because in this period of incredible, massive change that's happening, that's the eternal. That deep connection is something that doesn't change. Now, our experience of it can change, but the constancy of that connection doesn't. So that's something we can hang our hat on. That's something that can guide us through this process so that we can, as some say, die that good death. Okay. Number two is now is the time to surrender and to go with it. So what else do you want to throw into the fire? To, to simplify, to let go. It's a wonderful time to declutter. It's a wonderful time to release. So as we're preparing for new energy, just taking a good stock, taking a review of what are you ready to chuck out? What are you ready to release? And do that actual work to create space for what's new that can come in. That's a nice energetic palate cleanser for you as well. So what else do you want to surrender? Allowing that question to come to the surface. And really in a period of massive major change, there might be change that you've wanted to make that you've been resistant to do. You felt it, you felt the call, you know you need to, but you just didn't want to do it. There's no better time when everything is changing to chuck that other stuff in along with it. <laughs> so it gives a little, if we use it in the right way, it gives a little extra bravery or courage of, well, what else is there really to lose at that point? And once we get into that mindset, it creates a lot of freedom. It, it creates a whole new free outlook to where we're doing things without that same fear of, if I do this, it'll destabilize my whole house of cards. Well, at this point, go for it. (laughs) What have you been resisting? What have you been letting go? It can be a good time to take risks and to try new things. But surrender is really important. 
The third one is introspective work. So this is explore, try new things, meet this new version of yourself. What does this new version of you need? What is it inviting you into in your life? So really get curious about that. Explore it. Don't rely on the old, the old patterns and habits and so forth. This is an excellent time to just stretch out and go new places to see new things to get inspired. Number four is learning how to re-love yourself all over again. Because, you know, this is a hard time too. It is emotional. We talked about that stage two with the emptiness that comes in and the grief that, you know, our heart needs a certain element of love and tenderness and self-care. So things that are good for the heart, things that are good and gentle for your body, things that show you that you love yourself that you're worth it, that you nurture yourself, even allowing yourself to receive love from other people. If you have a hard time receiving from others, this can be an invitation for you to allow yourself to be loved by your community and those that care about you. So number five is sense of humor. And when I say this, it's that sense of humor where, you know, the crazy laugh, you know, I'm talking about the the one where when things have just fallen apart and they keep falling apart and then to the point where you're just like, well, what's next? And then like five other things happen and then you just get the crazy laugh like, ha ha ha. It's like that (laughs) on a bigger scale where you start to bring the humor into it, where it becomes this process of, well, let's just see what's next. It allows us to release pressure, to not take things as seriously, to create that detachment by learning how to laugh, how to laugh at ourselves, taking ourselves really seriously, how to learn to as much as you can step into laughing at the the ego, laughing at your inner Moira who's in the closet after having lost a role and is, you know, the makeup and eyeliner and mascara is just like dripping down the face and she's like, I'll never come out of the closet ever. <laughs> you know, just really, really dramatic. Everybody's like bringing her food into the closet. It's being able to take charge of of the laughter of going, okay, you know, I'm going to find the funny in this. I'm going to find the things that I can just laugh about. And again, with a non-attachment approach. The way that I see that is laughing at the absurdity of the concept of attachment because what this is teaching us a lot of is releasing attachment if you continue to grasp at something and it continues to run away from you you can laugh at the absurdity of the fact that you keep chasing and trying to attach to this thing that you're not supposed to be having anyway yeah yeah i love that idea of just you know finding yourself a little silly So number six is to just give up any of those old coping mechanisms that you know really aren't healthy for you or aren't working for you and give yourself a lot of extra grounding time. So beware of a tendency towards too much indulgence or escapism in this period. So if you're drinking a lot, if you're, you know, going out to be with friends all the time and to avoid sitting with how you're really feeling, if you're pretending like things are okay and telling everybody, yes, everything's fine without being honest, those are things to look at as far as coping mechanisms are concerned because the escapism really prevents us from doing the deeper work and keeps us in that same cycle over and over again of stage one, two, three. So you're revisiting that 
uncomfortable area constantly rather than moving through the whole healing cycle and the whole healing process, which comes from not escaping, from not pretending or being inauthentic about where you truly are. So accepting where you are, loving the opportunities that come from being in that space, that's really important. But the escapism, you'll definitely need to watch. (laughs) It can be something you need to hold yourself accountable for so that you can not get stuck in that cycle of one, two, three. The good news is that the dark night of the soul is a very sacred experience, and it does lead us to a really deep, personal, intimate walk with great spirit. And in that way, I think of it as it's the closest that you'll get to great spirit, to your soul in this human form. It can be the most uncomfortable, but when we step into it, it's the truest place of our connection because we're releasing all of that ego and we're lightening and getting very close to spirit. It's a very sacred walk and a tremendous rite of passage. You know, it's a beautiful thing to be at the gateway of a dark night of the soul, to enter into that experience. It's a bit of the labyrinth, (laughs) but it's one that we go in into the center to do the real work. And then we walk out in this path that is designed for us. And it's, you know, a sacred process. And if you let it, it can be truly magical as you embrace that process of transformation. So I read a thing about butterflies one time, and it talked about the fact that when a butterfly has transformed into a butterfly inside the cocoon, that's a pretty dramatic process to go from being a caterpillar to a butterfly. The cocoon opens, and the butterfly has to fight its way out of the cocoon. But that process of fighting its way out of the cocoon helps strengthen the wings. If you were to go over and pull the cocoon open and help the butterfly get out, it wouldn't be able to fly. And so it has to struggle through this in order to strengthen it, to make it be able to fly on its own. So as you move through the process, and as you are finding yourself sometimes in the depth of this process, the knowledge that it does end, and it does end in a positive way, in a transformative way, and just keep moving forward, keep making the steps forward to get yourself out of the cocoon, turn into the butterfly that you're trying to become and fly the way you're supposed to be able to fly. As we think about the dark night of the soul for ourselves, we can also hopefully bring more kindness and compassion out into the world and how we approach others that, you know, people are going through these in in different stages around you. And so remembering to show extra kindness, remembering to show extra love and compassion and support to those that need it and also to just shine the light to to remind and reflect back to others the beauty that they have within them because sometimes in that period of dismantling it's hard to really see very clearly the blessings that are happening in the whole process so we can hold that light for other people who might be going through that process as well and shining the light one way to look at it a friend of mine has gone through this dark night of the soul and one of the processes that we've talked about is upgrade is when you look at the dark night of the soul is this experience of upgrading (laughs) that every time something new happens and occurs you can just go oh 
this is being upgraded too. And sure enough, you'll find that what's released is ultimately upgraded and looking at it in that way and reminding people who are going through this that, up, oh, that sounds like something you're upgrading. <laughs> sounds good. Uh, can be so beneficial and helpful too. At the same time, you know, maybe you're giving them a little extra love or a little extra hug along the way. But thank you so much for joining us today as we've just talked about this topic. And so if you do want to see that scene from Lord of the Rings, and if you do want to learn any more about the book that I mentioned earlier, I'll put the links to those into the show notes. So you can find them at sedonamedium.com forward slash podcast. And this is episode number 33. So just look for episode number 33, sedonamedium.com forward slash podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. So if you have an opportunity, scroll down and rate us here on our podcast or let us know how you think we're doing, questions you have, or things that you'd like us to cover. We'd love to hear your feedback and just to connect. You can also find us on Instagram at Sedona Medium. Namaste. Many blessings. The Modern Life and Spirit podcast is for informational purposes only. The information provided is not intended to provide medical, psychological, legal, or financial advice. Information provided is not to diagnose or treat any medical or psychological illness. To read the full disclaimer, see SedonaMedium.com.